Paul, here we are for another mini-sode. My new favorite thing that we do here on The Modern White Man, the podcast where we discuss how to be a modern white man who is anti-racist, anti-sexist, and understands his role in creating equity. So here, Paul, my two passionate worlds collide. Anti-racism and hockey. You know, they are overlapping more and more, actually, which is a really good thing. It's hard and it's good. It's being recognized more, you know, racism within hockey. It's being called out more. There are long-term initiatives that are being put in place. Time will tell how impactful they are and how accountable they continue to hold themselves, but it's for sure a really good start. So it's coming up more and more with my two worlds colliding, which I really do like. So the situation that I want to discuss in this mini-sode of anti-racism in the hockey world actually doesn't involve a player, a coach, or a GM, but rather between two reporters. So one is a national correspondent and TV personality. He is a black man, and he's an ex-NHL player. He's really good on TV. I really like him a lot. And the other one is a Minnesota Wild beat writer. So for all you non-hockey people out there, Minnesota Wild is our National Hockey League team. And this writer, reporter, is a white man who I also like a lot. He's one of the most respected beat writers and reporters in the game. And he's a national personality, but even more so, he's super beloved by Minnesota Wild fans. So I am going to just give you the lowdown on how this whole thing went down, Paul. So you and all of our listeners just kind of bear with me as I lay the foundation here. So like many situations these days, it starts with a little Twitter beef. So the TV reporter commented on a national broadcast how he doesn't think the Minnesota Wild are a very deep team. Okay, so they're not very deep. Like it was a two-second comment. Minnesota Wild fans, who can be a little sensitive, I must say, as I am one, were indignant that he said we were not very a deep team and let it be known on social media as much things happen these days. So then the TV commentator goes on Twitter and makes a somewhat mocking response to wild fans and reporters, just kind of like making fun of our insecurities and laughing at us a little bit right on Twitter. And the Minnesota Wild beat writer responds to him on Twitter with... I have, I'm going to quote this whole tweet here. He says, I have great respect for you, but since this was a shot at me, the Minnesota Wild went 9-0-1 since that winter classic some nights without eight and nine guys, including the same three you mentioned. You watch them once a month. I'd trust the fans and reporter you're laughing at who watch them regularly. Okay, end quote. All right, everybody, so you're sticking with me. A little Twitter beef a little bit just responds. And so a week passes, and on the next national TV broadcast, the TV commentator, again, he's the ex-NHLer, a black man, he says, I'm going to quote what he says here too, I don't watch any hockey games according to that writer. I don't watch any hockey whatsoever. So he's being sarcastic here. I'm just saying, guys, we're not authorities on these teams. You know, I want to get back to this writer at some point. Apparently, I don't watch games. Just stay on code, writer. Stay on code, buddy. Lazy. Fans that are saying, I've got an ego too. Okay, he doesn't have an ego for saying he's not an authority on the same talk. It's the wrong month. Stay on code. Please stay on code because we know exactly what's happening. 
And then as it goes to commercial, it cuts off and you can still hear him talking. And he says, well, he's the authority. Sounds all white to me. Okay. So fairly quickly, this little Twitter back and forth about something as inconsequential as the wild's depth led to an accusation on national television that was taken as the writer being called out as a racist. It entered into a whole new stratosphere and Twitter just blew up. So this situation kept me up for multiple nights. <laughs> like, you, like my brain was just going, my wheels were turning about this whole situation. So this turned into like, for all of you hockey fans out there who are like level two deep hockey fans, like you know about this, right? It's one of those things. Everybody was talking about this. Somebody being called a racist on, on national television. It was really interesting and confusing one to me. So finally, when I wrapped my head around this, it really came down to two things for me that I thought would be a good conversation in this mini-sode. So the first is intent versus impact, okay? And the second is seize opportunities to have productive conversations about race. So let me explain why those two things. Paul, I don't think I've given you any room to talk at all. I'm sorry. I'm still going. And then Paul's here, everybody. We're going to talk. <laughs> I'm so. still trying to take in what happened. I think for us level three to <laughs> 22 hockey fans were like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Are you following what's going on so far? I hope it's making sense. Okay. So... The initial insinuation from the TV commentator about the writer being racist for disagreeing with him was upsetting. Like, it even upset me right away, I have to say, right? It clearly upset the fans and other people in the game. And my initial response was, whoa, why was race brought into this? You know, this writer wasn't being racist? Like, that was my initial mm. thought, right? And as time went on and listening to podcasts on this situation more and more, there was some clarity that started to emerge that as time went on, I started to think more about. So reading through the lines, I think it's fair to say that this commentator has experienced some serious racism throughout his playing and working career. I mean, we will never fully understand the extent, but think of the hockey world and we can have an idea. Like it is a very white sport. There are more and more instances of racism being brought up about stories from the past and today in the hockey world. So he being an ex-NHLer from an era past, I mean, we can only have an imagine what he's experienced. And one thing that black people have to do in the workplace that you and I have talked about is work extra hard than white people to get the same recognition. This It's called, isn't it like a prove it to me twice? Mm -hmm. So like the idea is that, you know, black, indigenous, people of color and women have to prove it to managers twice. Whereas for like white men, you know, you just do one good thing. You're like, oh, this guy's got it. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Even that response, why was race brought into this? That that really jumped out of me because it's something that that's my initial response a lot too. like, whoa, where did race come from? Yeah. And so it's so common. You hear that a lot too. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did this come from? So I think it's something just to point out real quick of that is an initial response and it's a defense mechanism response too of like, whoa, where did this come from? Why does this turn into the race? But for anyone who's a person of color, race is always present. Yes. Right? Like yep. it's not that all of a sudden race is outside the margins of this situation and all of a sudden someone brought it in. Yes. It's always present. 100%. But for white folks... It's the opposite. Like we think race is something that just is out there. And then when someone mentions it, it's it's now here, but it's always here. Yeah, that's so true. And with my response to like, oh, why was race brought into this? Because my two worlds are like hockey and anti-racism, essentially. 
I'm like typically always reading something on race, racism, anti-racism, equity work. And then I have like hockey stuff that I read too. And my hockey is almost like a brain break, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, it's like my hobby where I go to just like yep. have some fun mentally. And then like, I think because racism was brought into this, I was like, why was mm-hmm. race brought into this? Which like boo-hoo for me, right? right? right. To exactly to your point, black and brown people, they don't get to choose what part of their life is racism brought or race is brought into it, right? And as our listeners know, like we're actively working to be anti-racist and Mm -hmm. we're still susceptible to this stuff, like myself included. I'm like, oh my God, what? Like, come on, really? So that's a perfect segue into like my, as I let this sit, is the writer's tweet, it was taken by the commentator as you don't work hard. So when he said, you watch one game a month, that really struck a nerve with him clearly. So that is what we call intent versus impact. I think it's a great example of this. So the writer didn't intend, let's just say, right, he didn't intend to judge him differently or have a different opinion because he's black. I've been following this writer for long, like years and years and years, and I do fully believe he would have said the same thing to anyone, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't matter at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. The impact that it had on the commentator, that's his truth. To frame up a healthy conversation around that could have been a really great opportunity to talk about it. And that's really my biggest sadness around this situation. It's how the commentator addressed it by not using clear language. It was on national TV. Probably 90% of the people watching had no idea what this beef was in the first place. It was really cryptic, right? I wish when these situations come up that we could have more of these healthy conversations around it where it can be like clearer about what's he, what he's experiencing and then maybe use that platform or another platform to have a healthy conversation about it. Because it, it clearly didn't go over well just seeing the terrible reaction from the fans and everything. And that's the other thing that makes me really bad about this situation is the reaction. Because again, hockey is a very, very white sport. It's a very white fan base. And it led to an echo chamber of defensiveness, denial, anger. It was an opportunity for fans to turn on this black commentator and support the white writer, which really didn't sit well at all, right? And and so you have the writer being a bit defensive on some podcasts, talking about how all the people throughout the league, players, fans, executives, have reached out to him and said, he's fine, they know his character, he's not a bad person, right? And so all these white people are telling the commentator, again, this black man, that he's wrong and that the writer isn't racist and he needs to keep race out of it. That's not okay. Like, that's not how to foster ongoing healthy conversations. And also racism, it's not about being good or bad. Like, you and I have talked about that a lot. All people, good and bad, Mm -hmm. can and will be racist. Mm -hmm. They can have a racist idea, support a racist policy, can say something that will make a person of color feel like their race is being brought into it. Myself included, I am very susceptible to this, right? We have to separate racist incidents from our identity and see it objectively, right? That's how we break it down. So Mm -hmm. you and I have tried to practice that a lot. Thanks, everybody, for letting me just, like, share this because i clearly been thinking a lot about it. I, I, like, this whole situation to me is, I think it was a failure. It made me pretty sad because it honestly made me feel really bad for both people involved. It made me feel bad for the writer for being called out cryptically on national television for being racist. Like, that's not a good time for anybody. That can make you scared for your job. That can make you, you know, the human element of it, that was not fun for him. And I feel really bad for the commentator. 
you know, now he has to deal with all these white people getting on him about what is and what is not racist or biased. Like when he sees racism or bias the next time, and maybe it's more overt, people are going to cling to this, right? And like he may even stop and think before saying anything, which is the opposite of what should happen. So I really wanted to share this in our mini-sode because I think it's a good example for those two things. Intent versus impact, and then doing identity work, the importance, I think, so you can be ready to have really productive dialogue. Not easy, but productive dialogue and come out of it better. If it had instead been a private conversation between the two of them and then a joint public discussion about it, like it could have been such a positive experience, especially in such a white echo chamber sport that is hockey. It, it just was a missed opportunity. Mm. That's super interesting just to take, like for me, I'm trying to just take a, a step back and do a bigger picture. Just I mean, you said it was a failure, which it was. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, this is white supremacy working perfectly mm-hmm. this is a well-oiled machine because we see this all the time yeah. the same pattern gets played out and that's why again we talk when we talk about white supremacy we talk about culture culture are norms values behaviors that just happen instantly smoothly easily and we see it over and over and over again and this is just another example of it just working exactly the way it should you know, you're, you're absolutely right. This could have been an opportunity for some productive dialogue, but we don't know what productive dialogue looks like. It's not part of our culture when it comes to race. So it's very, very challenging to have productive conversations about race when it's not part of the culture, when instead what is part of the culture is very unproductive conversations where you have, in this case, which is, I mean, you said that hockey is a very white community and it is but even in a more diverse community this same patterns play Mm. out that's what's really interesting even when you have folks of color they still are ingrained and taught and you know unconsciously follow the same patterns and so that's what's really insidious about white supremacy culture so let's it'd be interesting to talk about how i think maybe to get into practically it'd be interesting to talk about what is an alternative how this could have played out right What, what even step by step so you know, the first comment from the beat writer and then the TV commentator responded. Mm-hmm. Now, the TV commentator, for what I'm noticing, didn't outright say, I feel like what you said was racist or had racist undertones. So that's that's like step one, I feel like. Yeah. And I'm not putting blame on this commentator, but that sort of ambiguousness of his comment and not saying outright, I felt this way when you said that. That just sets this whole thing into motion of subjectivity. Right. Right. 100%. And that's that cryptic mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was going to commercial. Like my buddies who are hockey fans sent me this link in the morning because they wanted my yeah. take on it. It was going to commercial and the music was on. They're like almost trying to get. And, and he was like, it sounds all white to me. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like, did he just say that? And that's mm-hmm. that's that not clear language is what I think really made Twitter yep. like blow up. Yep. Right. Yep. And that all of the the way this went down was just as like urgency. We talked about sense of urgency as a white supremacy characteristic and just snap judgments, snap comments and not really actually thinking through. And f- immediately for him, he knew that something triggered him. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what that, that comment came from. And as all human beings, we're going to say out loud like how it struck us. But unfortunately, this was done on air. And then, of course, everyone rushed in. Yep. So again, urgency yep. and snap judgments for everyone in this echo chamber with their initial reaction, which, of course, was shared 
we're talking about culture and values and shared of this defensiveness then that's that's white supremacy culture yeah. defensiveness yeah. our first initial reaction individually and collectively is defensiveness so if we want to change the culture we need to recognize that that is our initial and it's that combination of urgent defensiveness quick defensiveness mm -hmm. so we need to if we want to change the culture which we do need to that's part of our responsibility as as white folks and white men of power to say we need to behave differently and act differently and react differently mm -hmm. so how can we slowly react with i don't know what's the opposite of defensiveness it's not offensiveness openness? but openness yeah. curiosity offensiveness. yeah <laughs> i mean in but, some context you know yes. what i mean you know right. so so if this beat writer instead of quickly going in defensive mode say hmm i wonder why he said that yeah i wonder what i said let me think about what i said yeah now empathy let me put myself in the shoes of this tv commentator mm -hmm. why do i think that he may have reacted this way mm -hmm. i didn't say anything outright and this is again the thing about white supremacy we think anything racist is outright you say the n-word mm -hmm. right other than that, if you don't say anything around with the actual words around race, why are you bringing race? Why into are you bringing this? race into it? Right? Exactly what so, my initial response was. Exactly. Yep. So let me think about the context. This is also important. historical context. So why do why do I think that this person now and, and now when you see how this goes down a completely different path, hundred percent, and how 100%. it could have created a completely different outcome. Now you're still going to get this echo chamber you're talking about, yeah. and that's the other really tempting thing to not go down this new path. Because you got thousands of people who's got your back saying, nope, nope, this is not, it does not have, it has nothing to do with race. Yeah. So it's super, super easy to just say, and it's tempting because also when we go down the path of introspection of how I might have said something racist, that's extremely uncomfortable, right? So the, the comfortable thing is to say, oh yeah, all these people got my back. Oh yeah, I'm, there's nothing here. So that's where this like, and I think it's courage, right? It's courage and strength and solid identity helps you go down this different path because if we have this solid identity as white men we're not going to see it as good or bad mm -hmm. we, we know that we are good people we are we know that at, at the core we're a good person however we did something that is i don't even know if i want to say bad it harmed somebody it yeah, had an impact on somebody thing. exactly right? that's the and that's the most important thing intent versus impact right yeah that was so well said and you're so right that's the culture change and that's why it kept me up for nights yeah because you know the work that we've done i'm still so far from perfect right but at mm -hmm. least i'm at a spot where my initial reaction hit and then i thought about it all day mm -hmm. and then i laid in bed and i was like why was that my initial response where is that coming from mm -hmm. and it literally took me like six days. And then I went back to my buddies who we've mm -hmm. been texting about this and I sent them the longest text message ever. I'm like, here's where I'm at guys after six yeah. days. And here was my initial response. And here's why I think that was an issue. And kind of like what this episode was about. That was in mm -hmm. my text uh, about intent versus impact and everything. And like, I think that I've grown because of that. And it was hard. And I like, thought about it in the middle of the night for, for a few days. But next time this happens, I'm going to check that. And I'm going to mm -hmm. check the intent versus impact. And that is so helpful. It's like, hey, I know that you didn't intend this, but the impact it had on me was I felt like this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And that's so healthy because you can't argue with that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's that's your truth. Exactly. That was the impact on you. So for this guy, like your truth is you have been working your butt off your whole career and have had to work extra hard because of your skin color. And then you kind of get called out for not watching enough games. Boom, trigger. That's your that's your truth. 
And we have to respect that, right? It doesn't matter the intent at right. the end of the day. Right. It's that framework through this whole process. I'm like, oh man, that's healthy. I, I have to keep checking that on myself. Yeah. And to tie in, you know, of course, there's all these other components of white supremacy. It's not just race, it's masculinity too. So I'm also seeing like, hey, get over it. Right. Like, why are you making this such a big deal? Why are you so emotional about this? Even this idea of being triggered, like as men or like we're taught to like nothing triggers us. Right. Or if it does, we get over it. But we don't. Right. We don't get over it. And we lash out and we start this tit for tat thing, which is exactly what happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, okay, you feel hurt. Right. Well, that hurts me, you know, but don't say it that way. Right. You you starts a tit for tat thing and then that snowballs. And now we've gotten to a place of unproductive conversation. Whereas the culture within white supremacy and within masculinity clearly is not, it's okay to talk about feelings and it's okay to say out loud, that hurt me. That's why he didn't say that, right? Right? Because the culture, just imagine how much he would have gotten eaten alive if his response would have been instead, hey, I was really hurt by that comment. So right. Holy, I mean. Would Would it have been worse? I don't know, because it was pretty brutal. Well, you know that's what I mean? what's it's amazing. Like, yeah, right? I think it right? would have been worse because yeah. it, it would have been... You're probably right. A Especially combination. Like a tough hockey world. Right, like, right. Yeah. It would have been a combination of why you bring a race into this and why you're acting like such a sissy. Yes. Right? Rather than just why you bring race into this. That's so, what, and, th- and that's why, like, to your point of how could this have been better, I've thought a lot yeah. about that, too. In a perfect world, it would have been those two. Because they had a really, they tweeted like we had a really healthy phone conversation after this whole thing Mm. and kind of hashed it out, which is really good, right? They didn't get in the details, which I would have liked them to have. But like in a perfect world, they would have done that immediately. The commentator would have been like, here's how that had an impact on me. The writer would have respected that, talked about how his, like what you're saying. And then they would have came out together and had this like, hey, here's a really good example of intent versus error, like however they labeled it. But Mm -hmm. for fans then to think and be like, huh. Yeah. Right. Instead of that initial yeah. response. But. Yeah. So so as individuals, too, right, like in white men, especially, we're going to be saying stuff all the time that has a harmful impact. Now, every once in a while, we'll have I see as an opportunity and a gift that someone will actually come to us and say, you said this thing and it had this harmful impact on ourselves. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yes. Every once in a while, I think probably 5% of the time, someone will come to us using those words. I felt this way when you said this. And they'll say, too, I know you didn't have this intention, but this how and, and that is probably the best case scenario as far as how we respond to that, right? Because mm-hmm. we'll probably feel the least defensive, probably five percent of the time, yeah. right? Yeah. Most, I would say, you know, maybe another ten percent of the time, someone will actually kind of say it in a way that doesn't feel good, right? They'll get angry at us and they'll lash out and that sort of thing. Totally valid, right? Totally valid. Eighty percent of the time, I'm not doing my math right. Eighty-five percent of the time, <laughs> nothing will be said at all. Yeah. So harbored. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And in in multiple reasons, right? Like the culture doesn't allow for it. They've been burned in the past. They bring it up and it actually makes it worse. So my point is here is number one for that first 5%. And this is any case scenario with regardless of race or gender. It is not the responsibility to come to us and speak kindly to us and consider our feelings and how they say what happened. Right. Sometimes it happens and that's great, but it is not on them because they were the ones who were harmed. Now, when they do come to us with anger, lashing out, again, it's going to be much harder for us to respond, but it's a totally valid way to respond, right? And thinking, again, historical context, for centuries, BIPOC folks, women have been told and conditioned to speak nicely, right? Right. Consider the comfort of the person you're talking to, specifically white folks, white men. You need to make them feel comfortable if you're going to come with a grievance, 
right know? and that goes back to that was for survival purposes 100 percent. you know yep then the, all the other scenarios right 85 percent of the time no one's going to say anything that's where it's on us so to to constantly think back throughout our day or even right after we make a comment and be like wait a minute i wonder if there's something there that might have harmed that person and then to inter- you know internalize that think about it and then actually go to the person if that makes sense to say hey I said this the other day, I feel like that might have been inappropriate. I apologize, right? That is the best case scenario where we are taking responsibility and accountability ourselves and we don't have to put the onus on the other person. Mm. You know, they might be like, oh, no, no, not a big deal, not a big, you know, and even then they might be thinking it was a big deal. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. But they might say, to us, oh, no, 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 no problem. But more often than not, and I've done it a few times, they're like, yeah, it actually did really hurt me. Yeah. And I'm glad you came to me, yeah. right? And I've found that almost like that has been the most productive way in a lot of situations where I am actually the one who goes to the person I harmed and said, hey, I'm sorry, I said this inappropriate. And I think that's really had the best outcome a lot of times. Because that's scary and hard. And for us to do the scary and hard step versus to them make them do that scary hard step. It's that emotional, sorry to cut you off, it's an emotional labor, right? And Mm -hmm. how emotional labor has been, there's inequities there, right? The emotional labor on BIPOC and and women and non-binary folks, right? Like there's been (laughs) an immensely more emotional labor on them. And it's hard to quantify that, right? You can't sit here and say, oh, the percentages, but that has been historically speaking. So, you know, it's, it's kind of in a strange way, sort of this like way to create equity. Like as white men, we're going to take on some of that emotional yeah. labor, right, yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, not in a savior complex, right? You got to be careful with that. But, True. but you know, we know it's that understanding and empathy. We know that for your entire life, the emotional labor has been on you. I'm going to take this, right, yeah. um, in, in an, an act of solidarity, an act of, of uh, creating equity. So, I think you know, it's, it's, it's so cool how this is a hockey Twitter beef, and yeah. it really did open up some really good insights, I yeah, think, absolutely um, for, for what we're talking about. Yeah, I love this yeah. conversation. Thank you for hashing it out with me. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it took us until our only our second mini so to make it pretty long. So we, I was just we, thinking that. We I'm like, we should maybe. Yeah. It, was, it was really good, though. I label this a mini episode and just call it a, a regular sode. episode. But it's a sode. It's a sode. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but it's, it's, it's really, good. it's super easy again too to, to bring up these examples and say, oh, well, I would have done it so differently, yeah. right? I wouldn't have, I never would have said that or I would have handled this. I would have had a productive conversation, right? So, you know, I'm checking that with myself, just, you know, be careful. Like this is, and it's not about the individual too. Remember, we are operating within a system mm-hmm. and the system is very powerful, right? It's, it's cultural too. So even if like we are sitting here thinking, oh, I would have, handled it differently we weren't in that situation right we weren't feeling the pressure of that the white supremacy culture and that system right and i think more often than not when we're part of the system operating as it's supposed to operate it's really hard to push against that system and do things differently unless we really come prepared and we really are like we know if this happens i'm gonna do this and it still will be hard I've said it before, you know, that Brene Brown quote, like, I'm not here to be right, I'm here to get it right. That mantra has really helped me. Yeah. Because it's made me stop and think, okay, I want to get it right. And what are the steps I need to take to get it right? Instead of falling in line with just, I want to be right. 
So maybe that's a mantra for you all. Maybe that's a just you journal or reflect, whatever yeah. works for you. But just know that this is this is going to happen, and probably more frequently than we think. Yeah, you're right. I like the idea of like a mantra to help you. That mantra helps you. The intent versus impact mantra really helps me. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Every all of y'all listeners can think about that. I I also just really like the opportunity to share with you listeners when I'm susceptible to stuff. Like we have so much growth to do too, and I literally thought, why was race brought into this? And that's something that I hear people do all the time, and I'm always like oh races and everything and then it happened to me like Mm -hmm. to show it can happen to everybody all of us so thank you for this conversation thank you and yeah thanks for your your vulnerability with that and yeah it's it's something that i again i also experience especially yeah when you got that comfort thing oh yeah like you're talking about like hockey is my comfort thing comfort thing and i don't want something that is uncomfortable to come into it yeah it's it's really easily easy to say ah and even it's something you're extremely passionate about that's what's really you know you said like this anti-racism you live every day but you have this comfort thing and i think it's still what we're both working on of like anti-racism is uncomfortable which it always is and will be but we also still need to move towards a place of i don't it's not going to be completely comfortable but i'm sure you want to get to the point where if that happens again and race is quote unquote brought into it you're like oh hey here we go yeah exactly something that you know Ooh, this like, is like this that situation that, right yes but this doesn't ruin yep. my comfort my, my experience with hockey yeah. right it doesn't ruin it it makes it better yeah. right it enhances my experience with hockey it makes it more dynamic and brings two passions together but yeah they can coexist totally <laughs> and they need to yeah like, yeah right? they need it needs to coexist in everything right mm-hmm. so that yeah it's a good point all right y'all thanks for this so be sure to check out our uh, website www.themodernwhiteman.com until next time let's keep learning stay humble and do the work